It's Tuesday, May 24th. You're locked into Real Talk. Ryan Jesperson here with you, John Hicks. And in just a second, Andrew Walker kicking off uh, what is a jam-packed Tuesday show. It's always kind of this way on the heels of a long weekend. And we hope you had a fabulous May long weekend. There's a lot to catch up on. And so today's show is going to move quick. We've got four guests locked and loaded. And producer John Hicks is... I'm ready. Ready to strangle me is what no, you're ready I'm for. No, I'm not. This Come is on. Like, it, was like, it was like, hey, brah, you came in. We had I, I had the, like Bob Marley, I had turned the lights down low yeah. in the studio. The coffee <laughs> was brewing. And, uh, and we came in. And then it's just been like pedal to the metal but i will say for full uh, transparency i was like 15 minutes late so well that's well no, i just you, you were working from home earlier so <laughs> so so there you go we got a lot to catch up on we're going to talk about things that you're probably talking about in your orbit and so yeah there's going to be a little bit of talk on battle of alberta today we're going to talk further about uh politics across the country we actually have an emergency meeting with charles adler today he joins us every second emergency. monday but, well it's because i i thought we, he joins us every second monday but I said, Chuck, I'm not going to wait like 11 days to ask you what you think about Jason Kenney's resignation. Oh, I'm Charles, sure he has a lot to say. He's kind of intertwined into this story. So he's actually joining us live from Sin City. Las Vegas. Which I love. This is uh, an Adler hit from <laughs> Las Vegas. I, I wanna, first of all, I want to ask, what does Charles Adler do in Las Vegas? What does Vegas look like? Doesn't seem like a Vegas guy. If I you're the titan to the of talk, he this. might surprise you. You never know. You never know. Uh, plus, we're going to talk about uh, immigration woes. Uh, we're talking about uh, folks from Syria. Afghanistan and Ukraine, obviously different scenarios, but some common themes when it comes to difficulties in touching down on Canadian soil. Vivian Albuquerque, an immigration lawyer out of Montreal, is going to join us. Plus, we're going to talk to Julie Bauke, who's a career advisor. It seems like this, the youngest generation, newest generation of workers is more than happy to discuss their salary with one another. And a lot of the experts are saying this is a good thing. Maybe not the way you're wired. I'm curious to know where real talkers are going to land on this one. All of this conversation starting in just a second. Let's get started. This show happens because of amazing partners like the team at Bitcoin. Well, it was Bitcoin Pizza Day over the weekend. Anybody know what this is all about? Every year, people recognize Bitcoin Pizza Day in the third week of May. It marks almost a decade now, I think, since the first time that cryptocurrency, that Bitcoin in particular, was used in a transaction. You know, Bitcoins for pizza and, and whoever sold the pizzas for the Bitcoin came out on top of that transaction. If you have questions about Bitcoin, where it's going, why it's at, where it's at right now, I recommend you talk to the team at Bitcoin. Well, you'll find them under the sponsors tab at RyanJesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Well, if you're listening to this the day that we're doing the show, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, if you're a hockey fan uh, or a sports fan, even casual anywhere in North America, you probably know that game four of the Battle of Alberta is set to go tonight. Of course, we care about it a little bit more because this is in our world, right? We're coming to you live from the province of Alberta, in particular, the city of Edmonton, which is hosting game four with the Oilers up two games to one. Andrew Walker covering this as part of what he does on The Hedge, one of Canada's already, one of Canada's most popular sports podcasts. You can find it at thehedgepod.com. How are you wrapping your mind around what you're seeing on the ice in particular from Connor McDavid, captain of the Oilers? Well, we, we talked about... Um 
the series before it began and there's so much hype and like a lot of things can it live up to the hype and it was kind of like uh, i don't know <laughs> like it's a lot of hype there's first, a lot of hype. first battle of america in 31 years it it has so far it's been incredible and it has been a lot about one guy and it's not it's not hyperbole to talk about Connor mcdavid and say he's doing stuff that we literally, I, I want. I don't know if I if I want to say we haven't seen before. We we've seen dominance to a certain level, and it was another guy here in Edmonton 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's what he's doing right now, and the Flames have their handful with Connor McDavid. People are talking about the the numbers that he's at, and he's averaging more than two points a game. The the last time that anybody really did that in the playoffs, it was exactly like you said, ninety nine, sixty six. Mm-hmm. It was Gretzky, it was Lemieux, and and this could wind up. I mean. I don't want to be guilty of pouring gas on the fire and contributing to the hyperbole because they're only halfway through the second round. They're not even halfway through a Stanley Cup run. You got to win 16. They've won six. Uh, but at the same time, is it fair to start talking about where this performance stacks up against some of the all-timers? I think the fact that we're still early in, like they played nine playoff games and you could play a maximum of 28 playoff games, really, if, yeah. if you go seven games in all four rounds. I think that they're all, the, the fact that they're only nine games in kind of speaks volumes of what he's doing right now. It doesn't mean they're going to win the Stanley Cup. It doesn't even mean Edmonton's going to beat Calgary in this series. In a lot of ways, I think tonight's game might be for the series. Yeah. Um, but there is a chance that Connor McDavid could lose in the second round and lead the playoffs in scoring. That's absurd. <laughs> oh, it should be it's absolutely a, amazing. It's, a, it's absurd. You imagine a guy losing in the second round and still winning the Conn Smythe trophy for playoff MVP, <laughs> yeah. which which yeah, I'm obviously kidding. But yeah. hey, on just on a real life level, how much fun are you having? I mean, no, I, like, sure. Yeah, you're a professional sports broadcaster. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, just being out on the street, the horn honking, the car flags. I know that Calgary's been the same way with the red lot and, and mm-hmm. sure other markets, too. Uh, with their team still in the mix, but this is what it's all about. Yeah, it's been it's been cool, you know. And I, I'm not a you know, flag waving, you know, horn honking fan anymore. But sports gets people excited, um, and you know, I I went to every Oilers game when they w- had their Stanley Cup run in 2006. Right, I followed very closely when the Flames had their run in 2004. It's been so long since then. It's been. Uh, double the length of time since the last Battle of Alberta. Um, so it's it's amazing. And the way these games have been so crazy, it feels a little bit like we've been transported to the golden age of the Oilers and the Flames in the 80s a little bit. Um, so it's cool to experience that. And another thing, on, on a, I was thinking about this yesterday. From, a, uh, from just a life perspective, I mean, we're coming out of COVID. It's this huge... Um, I think release of a lot of people, they, you know, they, they get to have a sense of community about something, but also like something like this revitalizing downtowns and restaurants and bars and businesses yeah. and, and, and everything merchandisers in Calgary, in Edmonton, it's so great for yeah. everybody involved, regardless of who wins and loses. I think that's a cool wrinkle to it. Yeah, no kidding. So who are you keeping an eye on tonight, or, or what are you looking at tonight? As mentioned, you said tonight kind of might be the series. Yeah, sure, not technically, but if Calgary's able to sneak a win in the second game yeah, they away, get, they just get like ice, the Oilers did. They get did. home ice going back to Calgary. Yep. Exactly, yep. right? And if they lose tonight down 3-1 against McDavid and Dreisaitl, I mean, it would be a it would require a Herculean effort to come back and win three in a row. Yeah, and right now the Oilers are very confident in what they're doing. I mean, they crushed them in game number four, or game number three on, uh, on, on Sunday night. I, you know... I, 
not to because I know that you know fans are getting all riled up because the Flames' message after Game Three was one guy's beating us. Like they're not very good, but McDavid is on another planet. And people are like, "Well, what about Mike Smith? What about Leon Draisaitl? Evander Kane has a hat trick." Zach you're, Hyman. Yeah, you're 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 denigrating our players, and to a certain extent, I I get it. But at the end of the day, it is about one guy, much like it was with Gretzky in the '80s. You stop Gretzky, and yeah, Coffee and 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 Anderson and and Fuhrer and Messi. Those guys are. I'm amazing players. They're Hall of Famers. But you have a, a heck of a better chance to win if you can stop 99. And that's kind of the thing about, about McDavid right now. Except I don't know if they can because they don't have an answer. Internally, talking to you know Calgary media guys last night, the Flames are – they don't have an answer. And they're terrified. And, and you can't – like Daryl Sutter is an amazing coach and an amazing strategist. And he does not have an answer. And there's four of his defensemen that he cannot put on the ice against Connor McDavid right now because it's he's just torching him. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't know how they adjust. I'm fascinated. I've been hosting the games at a local establishment. I've been hosting the McGretta, and I always like to have a seat reserved, but I don't need it. I've just been standing the entire <laughs> yeah. time because it's been you never know. And you know, Johnny, you know what's up. I mean, you saw it for many years at the rink as the the team's official DJ. He does something. He picks up steam. It kind of reminds me. I mean, old school. I can't say I ever saw it live, but what Bobby Orr used to do, and it also reminds me maybe of what Mike Medano used to do back in the day, circling back, picking up the puck in his own zone or the neutral zone. Picking up speed. McDavid does it on a whole other level, mm-hmm. but you just knew, you felt it sort of was like a wave building in the crowd, right? I, I, I almost wonder, I mean, obviously this goes back generations, but I wonder how the crowd would rise in Montreal when Maurice Richard would pick up yeah. the rocket, right? Like um, maybe it's similar. I don't, I don't know, but I do, I do know that statistically it's going to be impossible to ever beat what Wayne Gretzky did, but stylistically, McDavid's the best player the sport's ever seen. We've never seen anything like it. We had a wonderful and healthy debate over the weekend about how you determine the best or the greatest of all time and whether or not a player who's still 25, 26 years old and hasn't won a cup, hasn't won an Olympic medal, hasn't won a lot of stuff, could still be considered the greatest of all time. We'll save that for another day. Yeah, watch. So maybe you pick it up on the head. There's great. Uh, there, we can argue the best career, but the best player you just have to watch you imagine connor in the 1980s oh my God, anyway. 300 points although he'd still have to use the wood sticks maybe that way it's slow i doubt it <laughs> you can check out what walks is doing of course you're going to be doing your show right after us uh, at the hedgepod.com and a special guest coming up today uh yeah you might remember her from her days in canadian media she's still uh, a big deal but more stateside jackie redmond is on the show today she used to do a lot of Blue Jay stuff and Sportsnet stuff and made a huge name for herself and then went to New York. So you can see her on uh, the NHL network now and uh, the Major League Baseball network. Uh, and, uh, you know, we go back a long time. So, yeah, she's going to come talk some sports today. Love it, Walks. Killing it with the big interviews again. TheHedgePod.com. You can uh, subscribe to his podcast. You can find him on YouTube as well. That's AWOKS official on Twitter. Andrew Walker, host of The Hedge. Thanks, buddy. Uh, looking forward to that. You can let us know where your head's at. I've, I've been checking out some of the chatter uh, early in today's show on our live chat. By the way, Immigration lawyer Vivian Albuquerque in just a second and uh, I noticed a few of you saw what happened on Twitter over the weekend it was Sunday night it was early uh, and somebody reached out to me and, and 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 essentially called me to the carpet but the Oilers had an early lead in that game and they said well Jesperson what what's your plan they said I they said all right well let's let's wager somebody said I don't know this person they said 50 or 100 bucks to a charity of your choice to the charity of the winner's choice and then this person I mean they essentially made my decision for me 
you know, the person said, I'll take the flames. I said, well, who, who am I to leave an opportunity to raise money for charity on the table? And says, I said, all right. And so, Alicia, you're right. I, I did pick a side. And so I took the Oilers. And so we have 100 bucks on the Oilers to win this round. It's all going to be going to charity. Uh, Amber's wondering if I'm cheering for the Flames. I mean, as a born and raised Calgary kid, you know, everyone, now I'm raising my kid here in Edmonton. I'm torn, my friends. I'm torn from both sides. But hopefully the charities will be the big winners at the end of the day. You know, Jillian, big Mike Medano fan checking in. Don't blame you. Don't blame you for any reason if you're a Mike Medano fan. Who wouldn't be? No. Hey, Mike Medano one is, used, to Amazing. Be, used to be in the mix for one of the, uh, talk around one of the greatest American players of all 100%. time. 100%. Not anymore. I think Patrick Kane's got that one. Maybe yeah. Austin Matthews, I think, yeah. that one. Wow. Walker's still sitting here like, you. can I chime in on that? No, sorry, Walks. Unfortunately, your time is up. It's just John and my opinions now. <laughs> okay. We're going to be getting into some of the news of the day in just a second, but let me first tell you about Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. Now, we talk to you about Grand Dog Essentials and your dogs all the time, but check this out online on their website. If you're a cat lover, if your household is more of a feline household, you're going to want to go to granddog.ca granddog.ca go to the shop now link and then you can check out you can check out under the shop now link opportunities for your cats yeah that's right if you're looking at maybe getting cat diets nailed down you want to see the health benefits for your cats grand dog has you covered right they've got the lineup not the full grand dog lineup but some elements have been hand chosen and selected as perfect for cats like the Doggy Moggy Chicken Raw Food, the 40-pound box. We've had that before in our household. They've got the tripe. If you want to look at pork, raw pork, perfect for cats as well. And then, of course, bison. What are the health benefits of bison? There's the dairy raw fermented goat milk from Happy Days Dairy and a whole bunch of other options. You can find it all at granddog.ca. Don't forget, they'll deliver to your door in Calgary, Edmonton, or Central Alberta. And the promo code REALTALK gets you 10% off your first-time order. Also, a big shout-out to Jet Set Parking. We know this is the time of year where a lot of you, this is kind of that shoulder season where it's not quite summer here. And so maybe you're heading south to play some golf. Maybe you're taking the kids to Disneyland. Maybe they don't even know it yet. You're going to want to go to jetsetparking.com, book your airport parking in advance, at least 24 hours with the promo code REALTALK, and you're going to park your car, your truck for $7 a day at Edmonton International Airport. It's perfect. The shuttle setup is so easy. It's what we use when we travel, and you use your booking credit card to swipe you out of the lot. You don't have to worry about losing one of those little paper tickets. It's never been easier to park at EIA with Jet Set Airport Parking, the promo code Real Talk gets you $7 a day. And our friends at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge want to remind you that you can shop their inventory today from the comfort of your own home. Whether it's the new or pre-owned lineup of Jeep, Dodge, and of course, the service that they've come to win awards for earning the return business of their clients, you won't find a better experience than you will at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. You can link to them directly under the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Well, if you've been paying attention to international news and national news, you know that on the immigration front, the stories are intertwined. There's the plight of refugees from war-impacted areas like Syria, 
like Afghanistan, and more recently, like Ukraine, trying to come to Canada, but they're encountering roadblocks. There are big challenges when it comes to Canada meeting its commitments to welcome refugees and immigrants from those and other countries. And then, of course, Canada has its own challenges, including a labor shortage across the country. Vivian Albuquerque keeps an eye on all of this, practicing in the area of Canadian and American immigration law and international mobility. She provides legal advice to a variety of clients from individuals to corporations across various sectors of the economy. She's an expert on this stuff. Vivian making her Real Talk debut today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. You're in Montreal this morning. Is that right? Yes. Hello, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here. I am in Montreal. You can see almost the Bell Center right there. Oh, uh, wonderful. This is Montreal. Wonderful. Is this, are you a big hockey fan, by the way? We're hockey talking before we get to you. Is, it, is there a little <laughs> bit, your team ran all the way to the cup final last year. How are you feeling right now? I know. I'm feeling great. It's a great season. Uh, I'm actually more of a soccer fan. Don't oh. tell that to my clients. Uh, but I have been to several hockey games. Uh, I am a big uh, soccer player and I love soccer as well. Uh, soccer, it won my first heart and then hockey came after. Oh, you know what I love, Vivian? We're uh, taking a look at the, the broadcast of the Edmonton Oilers Calgary Flames game over the weekend and Canadian soccer great Alfonso Davies was in the crowd and the place went nuts. He's doing something for the love of soccer in Canada, which was already there, but it, boy, is it ever growing as a result of him and Christine Sinclair, the women's team winning gold at the Olympics. Unbelievable. I know, and I cannot wait for this World Cup. I think it's the first time that Canada is going to be there. We have a very good and strong team. Uh, and that's connected to immigration. Uh, we cannot de- deny that more international people come to Canada, more immigration we have. Uh, we have more of a diversity in sports, and we have immigrants like myself who love soccer, and we are trying to support the Canadian soccer team as well. Oh, I love it. Where, where did you live before you moved to Canada? Oh, right. So many countries. Uh, Really a global citizen. Uh, I was born in Brazil. Uh, I was born in Brazil. I lived in the United States. I have lived in France. I have lived in Hong Kong. And I spent some time in Uganda. So I've been all over. Wow. And so you have a, I would imagine, uh, more of an inform. I mean, obviously, with your professional background as well, but you've got a really informed understanding of of what it's like for, for, for people that are seeking new lives or new opportunities in different countries, the employment implications the, and the bigger picture economic implications as well of, of immigration, specifically when it comes to Canada. Why don't we start by by gaining an understanding of what this labor shortage really looks like, which sectors are deeply impacted and how you think immigration could be one of the answers. Oh, wow. We have a big problem in Canada with the labor shortage right now. It's, uh, I'm not going to talk about the origins and how it started, but right now we have client. I have clients in different sectors of economy, including service, uh, manufacturing, uh, tourism industry that they cannot operate. I have clients, they have to close on Sunday because they don't have workers to, to work and to assist them in their operations. Uh, it is a big deal. Uh, in, historically, immigration has assisted Canada with the labor shortage in the short term, medium term, and long term. But what we have in right now is that processing times for a certain work permits for a person to come to Canada is taking so long that we, that we have a big gap between the needs and the supply. We have individuals in Ukraine and in other countries that want to come to Canada, but they are not able to come right away because of processing time that is taking so long. 
We know that, I mean, the federal immigration minister, uh, Mr. Sean Fraser, has has acknowledged the backlog because he doesn't really have much of a choice. It's pretty obvious. But is someone in, in, in your field of work, are you able to, to, to nail down or at least give us a clear idea of what you think is behind those backlogs? Like why it's such an issue and maybe why it's more difficult for the government to figure out than the average civilian might think? Yes, oh boy. We have more than 2 million applications they are waiting to be processed. Uh, two million applications means that we have several families uh, and individuals they are waiting to come to Canada or most importantly, they are in Canada and they're waiting for a legal status. Uh, it's hard to point out one specific issue. Uh, I think what we have right now in Canadian immigration is, is what I call a reactionary policy. Uh, it's reactions to world events and reactions to different political needs and economic needs that Canada is happening, which is great, but we don't have this structure and the support internally within the immigration department to support the different policies. So we have announcements and announcements and different portals and different policies, and we don't have this support inter- internally from the from the from the government to process those different applications and even to support those different announcements that the government is making. So for example, we have individuals in Ukraine who the government saying, great, we're gonna give them work permits. And then we have clients who are not able to even submit the passport because they don't have a passport. Uh, we have individuals in Afghanistan who the government say, yes, we are going to help. And then they are in their situation, a situation that their life might be at risk and the government is not being able to process those applications in a timely manner. So it's hard to specifically point, pinpoint an issue, but uh, it's a systematic issue that's been happening for a long time. It's creating tension with the government and we think the individuals that are in Canada waiting for uh, their application to be processed and it's getting to a point that it's unsustainable. Uh, is it uh, like, do we have to evaluate each scenario and with regards to country of origin or, or where some of these, these uh, you know, I mean, would be new Canadians or these refugees uh, are coming from? Do, can, can we say uh, that there's a common challenge that they're encountering or do you have to say, well, with Afghanistan, I've been I've been reading that there are mm-hmm. there are some implications because it's a Taliban controlled country and a lot of the pre-screening, the government has an issue with that versus folks from Syria versus people from Ukraine. That are, are they are they completely different scenarios, different challenges? Uh, good question. Right? So what's happened is that we have different paths. So imagine you're going for a hike. And you can ha- take the long path, the short path, the medium path, but in the end, you ultimately achieve to the end of the right. So what the government is announcing now, and as soon as everyone taking the same spot, same path to the hike, that we have different shortcuts to go. So we have more than 60, more than 100 different places, different goals. And if you're for certain countries, if you have certain uh, criteria, you can go to these different paths. The problem is that a lot of people are going to a specific path and there's not a lot of people to process. Those applications, and you go, might have a bureaucrat, someone in the government that's working for individuals on this path and then another path, this path, then another path. Uh, so different countries face different challenges to come to Canada. And then we have, uh, and then at the same time, the government is trying to apply the same admissibility criteria for everyone. Individuals that are displaced uh, from Ukraine, they might not be able to go to another country or another city to submit the biometrics because they don't have any money. Yeah. Uh, individuals in Afghanistan that the government is asking for specific documents. How do you provide such documents when sometimes you left your home with a plastic bag? I mean, isn't that a reality check, right? 
But at the yes. same time, but at the same time, I mean, I know I'm dealing in hypotheticals here, yes, but of but of course, a government that is also a, a political party, right, susceptible to criticism um, and always looking to protect itself on all fronts, has to insist on significant and meaningful and complete screening right for applicants to come to the country like you can't i mean on one hand you say people fled their home and this is true i mean this is the facts uh people are fleeing their homes amid shelling right bombs are hitting maternity hospitals in ukraine i mean syria afghanistan i mean i think everybody understands the devastation that those countries those people have experienced and it's true i mean some people's journey through refugee camps has has been has lasted months or years they have nothing they're doing everything they can maybe they got out with their cell phone maybe they have a phone charger who knows i mean this is the reality and then at the same time if someone gets through without adequate screen uh, screening and then something happens then 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 the immigration minister the prime minister's got to answer to it so how do you find that balance i mean can you you can't really like relax your standards uh so how do you solve it you you should not relax your standards and it's part of the government uh mandate is to protect canadians and to protect individuals they are currently in canada but at the same time we have to look at uh the circumstances of what's happening around the world we cannot expect individuals for example uh to undertake a medical exam if there are no doctors uh, and in the past, we have been able to adapt. We have been able to be flexible in terms of certain requirements. But I'm not taking, I'm not talking about relaxing standards. But I'm talking about flexibility in terms of the standards. If I cannot provide uh, my passport for a for a visa to be issued, what the government did, which was brilliant, they provided an, an alternative way that you don't have to provide it, your government to the embassy for them to send it back to you. I had clients that say, Viviane, I cannot send my passport. I'm from Ukraine. I'm displaced in Hungary. I cannot send my passport to another country because then I'll have no document ID for two weeks. And if I have no document ID, I can get arrested anytime. I can get my identity. uh, There's no way for me to confirm the identity. So different alternatives in terms of the flexibility of the documentation. I'm not talking about the security. I'm talking about the documentation, the steps, the Mm. potential immigrants they have to take. We've seen in past, uh, and, and I like how you you, you touched on this uh, shorter, medium, and then longer term implications of all of this. And on the short term front, on like I won't call it a quick fix front, but we know that in particular, I think of agricultural producers across the prairies and in Ontario as well, mm-hmm. uh, and other provinces that have looked to, for example, temporary foreign workers or or permanent residents in some circumstances to help fill jobs. I mean, I'm just using one example of many. Of course, we have Banff as an example. There, uh, certain employers at Banff, they're not able yeah. to, they need people. Uh, the tourism industry, the tourist this summer, uh, we are going to have a boom in terms of individuals that are visiting Canada, visiting different um, Montreal, visiting Banff, visiting Vancouver. And uh, certain hotels, certain restaurants, they are very concerned how they are going to be able to serve uh, those individuals. There are people there, the visitors and tourists. What do you think the future of recruitment international recruitment looks like um our 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 internet is the international workforce uh gonna get is it gonna get a little bit more competitive i mean are are, are there gonna be higher expectations are fewer people gonna be willing to come over as temporary foreign workers they're gonna want a better deal for themselves and their families 
Yes, absolutely. It's getting more competitive. It's not only Canada that's having a labor shortage issue. It's, it's, it's the whole North America, the United States and Europe as well. Uh, I think it's going to be very competitive for Canada to continue to attract and retain foreign workers. We are talking individuals that are highly qualified. They speak multiple languages. They have several years of work experience. Uh, and Canada needs to continue to attract them to come to Canada. But imagine if you are considering other countries. If you if you're considering other countries, then if you have, for example, Canada, Australia, or Europe, and Canada say, well, we can start the process with you, but you have six uh, six months to wait, then it might not be as certain as someone that is willing to move immediately. How how do you typically line up? Like, do people do you work on behalf of a group, or do people approach you individually? I'm, I'd be fascinated both. to know how your business <laughs> works. Do you work for businesses that are looking for international help? Yes, we do both. Yeah. So we look for individuals that are currently in Canada and they want to make Canada home on a permanent basis. Those are individuals that are highly qualified, they speak multiple languages, they have lived years in Canada, and they say, you know what, I would like to stay in Canada and be a Canadian citizen. So we work for the individuals. We also work for companies all across Canada that they are interested in attracting and to employing these uh, foreign workers. And most of our companies, I would say 90% of the companies, they're trying to find Canadians for those positions and they can't. And they need to bring someone very specialized and very unique for this position. They try to recruit in Canada. It's cheaper. It's better to recruit locally and they can't. So in order to support the operation, they are bringing a foreign worker and usually the employment of this foreign worker uh, is able to maintain the employment of Canadians. So like sometimes one foreign worker is coming to supervise a project that employs three, four, five Canadians. Is this, I, you know, I, I've heard people say often, we're talking to Vivian Albuquerque, if you're just tuning in, maybe streaming the audio live on the Mixler audio app. She's an immigration lawyer, works out of the U.S. and joining us uh, from her home office in Montreal. People will say, uh, and, I'm, and I'm intrigued by you saying it's cheaper to recruit locally. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and a lot of people will assert well, the reason that companies uh, aren't filling their positions locally is because they're not paying enough and they're paying so low that only international workers will come work for them. Is, is that oversimplifying the issue? Yes, it's simplifying the issue. The government, they do have a floor in terms of the salary the foreign workers they can receive, they receive. So, for example, if you're, having, if you're hiring a technician for a job, you cannot pay minimum job. There is uh, the government every year that makes an aggregate uh, average of how much, what's the estimated salary, the average salary for that position. And it's based on region and the, the foreign worker cannot receive, the foreign worker cannot receive less than that. So it is uh, oversimplifying the issue, saying that they are paying so low. It's not a race to the bottom, no. And in terms of processing time, uh, to bring a foreign worker is much longer. In terms of recruiting costs and relocation costs, it's expensive. And you have the uncertainty that after two years, the foreign worker can just pack their pack their bags and leave. So in the long term, it is cheaper to hire a Canadian, someone in Canada, to do this uh, to do a job here. Vivian Albuquerque is a specialist in Canadian and American immigration law, uh, clients on both sides of the equation and obviously a ton of expertise, including your personal perspective. Can I ask a personal question? Well, you like fascinating life. You uh, how do you wind up all over planet Earth? Was it was it as a young person, too? Did your your family was just all over the place? Was not was mostly me. Uh, yeah. um, I just love traveling and look, right, I've been all over the world and Montreal, Canada is where I chose to live. Uh, I'm a Canadian citizen and I always come back here. So, so cool. 
So cool. It's, uh, it, you know, people were born in Canada. I wasn't, and I chose Canada. So that's, uh, that means a lot. That's very cool. Well, it means a lot to have you here with us, and I'm grateful that you were able to join us on the show, Vivian. Thank you so much. Thank you, you have a meeting starting me. in four minutes. Thanks for your time. I do. I have a consultation starting. <laughs> I promised. I, I promised. I get you out on time. It's so nice to see your face. Thank, Thank you. Ryan. Yeah, you bet. Bye bye. Yeah, she is. Uh, Vivian is is uh, a lawyer in high demand. We've been wanting to talk to her for a while, and uh, and I'm grateful that she was able to find that time for us. Fascinating stuff, and we know that this is uh, an issue that's relevant to a lot of people. Some some of us will be hearing an interview like. That and processing it big picture. You know, you see the big numbers. What does what does Canada's uh, labor force look like? Where are the trends going? More on labor trends in just a second. By the way, with Julie Bauke, I'm looking forward to this. A career advisor. She's got some insights into generational differences and how people approach their jobs, including what they're willing to talk about, like their salaries. You know, and a lot of people are saying, "Hey, this is a positive trend for workers. Maybe not as positive for employers." Uh, other people might be looking at more specific. I mean, maybe you're listening to this interview. Maybe somebody told you about this podcast and you came specifically to listen to Vivian because your business, your small business, maybe your family business, you're having a hard time filling those positions and you're looking for insights. We always want to hear how our interviews, how our subject matter is landing with you. And you can be in touch with us anytime. Our email is talk at ryanjesperson.com. And of course, our hashtag real talk RJ. That's powered by the team at Park Power, uh, providing internet, electricity, and natural gas services across our home province of Alberta. I want to let you know if you go to their website, parkpower.ca, right now you can learn a little bit more about the company. The, the company that is working on behalf of homes, businesses, farms across the province. They're not a traditional corporate utilities provider. 100% privately owned and operated small business that believes in supporting the local economy. You go, yeah, well, whatever. Everybody says that. Park Power puts their money where their mouth is. One of the things I love when you take your business to Park Power, you get to choose which charity you'd like to benefit. They donate 10% of their electricity proceeds to local charities, to nonprofits. How cool is that? You can find out all the details and sign up today at parkpower.ca. Make sure when you take your business there, you use the promo code 2022 dash real talk that's going to get you 70 dollars off your first bill that's like uh it's a full meal on the uh meal delivery app <laughs> yeah or that's a few meals if you're saving your money and cooking at home for sure yeah they're gonna pay for a couple of barbecues for you thanks park power how about the team at infinity healthcare had a chance to meet up with them uh, just a few days ago and and to meet their their licensed practical nurses to meet their rns to meet their home care specialists and and the healthcare aides to meet the front facing staff like their customer care navigators uh, this is a team i mean look at this if you go to their website infinity-8.ca they they introduce their team so you know exactly who you're dealing with, whether it's Isabella or Poonam or Anna or Catherine, Cindy, Ruby, Peter, Kyle, and the rest of the team. Uh, these are folks whose number one priority is to make sure that your family is getting the trustworthy, consistent home care that you need. Now, ever since the 1st of April of this year, so coming up on two months now, there are initiatives where you can take Alberta Health Services Managed Care. You can take the funding that your family would receive and you can allocate it to the care provider of your choice. It means you can endeavor to find that perfect fit for the loved one that maybe isn't super keen on the home care they're currently receiving. If that sounds like your family, I encourage you to check out Infinity Healthcare right now under the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. 
And a shout out to our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. John, over the weekend, <laughs> I finally did it. I was driving through the parking lot yeah. in Westmount, and I said, I'm not driving past this Dairy Queen. You stopped. I had the cotton candy blizzard. Oh, my. What's and that? Well, let me tell you. It might, I mean, I would say it would be in my regular rotation moving forward, but it is only available for a limited time. There's a sense of urgency if you want to try this thing out. Of course, there's also the Oreo Dirt Pie Blizzard, and they've got the Girl Guide Cookie Blizzard, and they've got the Unbelievable Drumstick Cone Blizzard, and it's really not fair for me to just keep talking about this. I know that it's right now you're going, well, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with this information? You're supposed to, right now, Right now, head to a Dairy Queen. If you're anywhere near the Metro Edmonton region, in Palisades, <laughs> the Mayo, maybe you're listening to it later in the day. Maybe you're listening to this walking the dog. I don't think they'd let you walk your dog through the drive-through. Actually, honestly, I don't. I think, don't. I don't know that we should encourage that. I don't think there's a wrong time to treat yourself. Either. There's never a wrong time. It is always the right time to visit the Dairy Queens. Maybe that could be their new slogan in Westmount. That's my hood. Newcastle, Nemeo, Palisades, and in Sherwood Park at Baseline Road. You make sure you let them know that Real Talk sent you to the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Well, this next story is really interesting. Uh, salary, uh, once I think it's fair to say a taboo topic, is is now being discussed openly in workplaces. Like, like do you know how much your friend makes? Do you know how much your best pals make? I have no idea what my friends make. Do you know what your friends make? I know what you make. You know what I make? <laughs> I don't think you know what I make. <laughs> but uh, I know what you make. I know no, you do. <laughs> what are we talking about this? This got awkward all of a sudden. But seriously, like if you took no, your five I best friends, would you ha- would you be able to say, yeah, they make X grand a year? No, and I think that's one of those things I, I kind of avoid talking about. It's kind of taboo to ask someone how much it they make It feels like year, it, you know? right? I feel the same way. I, I mean, would I'm never sure I have an somebody. idea. I have an idea, but you know. But if you're applying for a job, please don't apply for a job anywhere else. But if you're applying for a job <laughs> and there are other people there working, let's say you're a you're a CA or, yeah. or let's say you're a, like an entry level lawyer or let's mm-hmm. say you're a dental hygienist, mm-hmm. you would want to know what the other people in the workplace are making as you negotiate your salary it would help you out. Wouldn't it make life a little bit easier? Yeah, of course. But we haven't done that. Right. And, and so what is leading to this change as this new generation, the next generation of movers and shakers in the workforce are starting to share openly exactly how they're compensated. Julie Bauke is the chief career advisor of the Bauke group uh, focused. They are on working alongside professionals to help people get more out of their careers. She's a sought-after expert when it comes to the workplace and regularly appears on national and international uh, TV shows, radio shows as well. And she's the author of I Absolutely Love This, the book Stop Peeing on Your Shoes, (laughs) Avoiding the Seven Mistakes That Screw Up Your Job Search. She's a proud graduate of Purdue University and joins us live this morning. Are you in Cincinnati today, Julie? No, I'm in Scottsdale. Oh, you're in Scotts. I am in love yeah. with Scottsdale. We were down yeah. there a little while ago. I go back ago. and forth. I go back to Cincinnati later this later this week. It's oh time to goodness. it's time to get out of the heat here. Yeah, no kidding, right? This is the time of year where everybody gets out of Arizona if you don't want to yeah. deal with I would say 45 degrees, but in your language about 120 degrees Fahrenheit, right? Yeah, we're not there yet, but I can see it from here. Yeah. Hey Julie, so what is it? What is it about this when we talk about this next generation of of workers? Uh, next generation of, of professionals, quite frankly, that are viewing transparency a little bit different. What what sort of age group are we talking about here? 
we're talking about Gen Z. Mm-hmm. So you're 18 to, you know, mid to late 20s, mid 20s. Um, a lot of Gen Z's not in the workplace yet, but the ones who are, and even younger millennials. So when you really think about it, it makes sense. So they share everything. They share things that older millennials, Gen X, boomers would never think of sharing because social media is just a part of their lives. They've grown up in front of the camera. You know, you know the whole selfie thing was, was never a thing until you know, the last several years. That's number one. Um, number two, the line between, and COVID absolutely pushed this along, but the line between our personal and professional selves has blurred to the extent that it's almost gone. And so the the old, when you think about the old model of I get to work at eight and I leave at five or six and I go home and, you know, I'm my personal self for the rest of the night, it's gone. And so when you share everything, you talk about everything, it's natural or normal or to be expected for that to bleed into workplace conversations as well. And now on the other side of the desk, you look at employers. So in a lot of cases, they're out there sort of saying, you know, here's what we're paying. You know, you can come make this with us and you'll get all these other things as well. And so in order to attract and retain people, the salary conversation has gotten much more open because it is attraction and retention strategy. Why do you think it is, aside from maybe just our upbringing or the way we're wired or our culture, uh, why have generations previous been so hesitant to just share yeah. with each other openly. Why do you think? So it's, I put that under the category of politics, religion, money. You know, we would never say how much you pay for this house. We didn't talk about politics. We didn't really talk about religion, but social media technology has made really every topic not taboo anymore. I it still, it still makes me cringe, certainly as a boomer, when I hear people discussing openly how much they make. There are some pluses to having this out from under the dark, and there are some minuses. So the argument, so here's an example. Back in the day, and I say, you know, 20 some years ago, when I was in human resources, I was head of human resources. We were having salary discussions about who to give raises to. And I'm sitting in a room with the C-level folks who were men who had wives at home. And a discussion came up about how much to give to person A, who was a young female, and person B, who was a young male. And the decision was made, of course, my jaw was hanging open, to give more to the male because he had a young family to support. And I'm sitting there thinking, that's irrelevant. Mm. And so when you take those kind of discussions out of the dark, then there is more chance that companies will be, I think, more fair, more equitable, and how they look at compensation. And that is a great thing because without a doubt, there is bias in how compensation is distributed. Part of that too, is that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Mm. Men are more likely to ask to negotiate for things upfront. And then after they've had a particularly successful year or project, et cetera, women less likely. I think that contributes greatly to the gap we see the gender gap in pay. So when you bring these things out into the light, companies have to look differently at how they handle hand out compensation. That's good. The other side of this is pay is really complex. 
it comes from a variety of factors. And some of those factors are reasonable. If I'm a stronger performer than the person next to me who's been doing the same job for three years, I should be making more. Maybe I have a different level of education or brought some different experience or knowledge to the table. Those are the things that, that's why it's really hard when you talk compensation to compare apples to apples because no human is the same. And so the, 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 the need to have a compensation strategy and structure and philosophy that takes away the bias and puts it on performance is an experience is going to, I think, be something that companies are going to have to look hard at because they're not going to be able to hide it anymore. And a tight labor market, a competitive job market is is essentially good for employees, potential employees, job seekers as well, right? Including people that maybe in a job that they enjoy, maybe a due time uh, to even approach their employer to renegotiate a salary. What do you advise people to do? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So what happens is, Let's say I'm in this, I'm doing this job, job A, and there's three job A's open in my department. We have three openings and I'm making $60,000 a year. And, but I know because I went out to look at LinkedIn or I talked to some people who were interviewing for those jobs, that they're offering $75,000 a year for those jobs to get new people in. So the front of the pipeline is getting juiced with more perks, more money, you know, more, you know, fancies. And, but then you've got people who are sitting there who've been doing the job. And in some cases doing the job of more than one person. And they're like, wait a minute, what about me? I'm the one holding the fort down here. And so there has to be that equity that companies need to look at and they aren't doing a very good job of it. So let's say I find out, Hey, look, the people you're bringing in are making 75. I have institutional knowledge. I have experience. I'm a strong performer. And so what you have to do, the most important thing you can do here is make a business case for it. This is not about what you need to pay your bills. This is not about whining that the other guy's getting more. This is saying, look, here's what I've contributed to this organization. Here's how I, my presence has added to the results and performance of this organization. And I also saw that you are offering significantly more to people coming in the front of the pipeline. And here I sit doing this job. What can we do to get my salary up to where it needs to be given my experience? And so it's a business discussion. It's not whining. It's not, I need more, look at inflation. And so you have to look at your career like a business. And so you have to take the emotion out of it. Do not be afraid to go in and ask, because if you don't, what happens is people are like, I don't want to ask. And then a recruiter calls them, pulls them away to go work for another company. They give their notice and the company's like, wait a minute. Yeah. You didn't give me a chance to fix what's wrong. I say from a company perspective, don't wait until your people give their notice to start paying them well and treating them right. You have to start looking at that now because everybody like LinkedIn makes everybody in play. It's not like the old days where you had to go out and like send your resume out in the mail to all these people. If you're on LinkedIn, you're in play and your best people are going to get picked off. It's not the people that you want to leave that get picked off ever, it seems. It's the people that you want to keep. And so your strategy as an employer has to be, what are we going to do to keep the people we want to keep 
And then what are we going to do to bring people in the front door? And so it's a pipeline. You have to manage your pipeline. So as an individual, understand that if you are well-regarded, great performance appraisals, customers love you, et cetera, figure out what makes sense for you. What do you want? And you know what, Ryan? Sometimes it's not money. It's really money is never at the top of the list unless somebody's drastically underpaid. Once you're paid fairly to market, money heads down to about the middle of the pack mm. in terms of what people want and why they stay. You mean it could be like flexibility to work from home or more vacation time or underground Absolutely. parking or whatever? Yes. Yeah. You know, and what's, what's crazy to me, because I've been doing this for 25 years, is that everything that's happened right now was absolutely coming. COVID pushed it ahead faster, but there's not one thing that's going on right now that couldn't have been predicted. And individuals, the workforce have been asking for flexibility, the ability to manage their lives for the entire 25 years they've been in this world. It's just employers are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now that the pendulum has swung and they have leverage, they're saying, okay, my turn. You know, here's what is most important to me. And, you know, if you're a strong performer, you have a lot more leverage than if you're kind of at, you know, sort of middle of the pack. And yeah. so this is the time to go for the job you want and to ask for what you want to be happy where you are, to be satisfied where you are. It's not going to get any better than it is right now. Julie Balke's uh, author of Stop Peeing on Your Shoes, <laughs> Avoiding the Seven Mistakes That Screw Up Your Job Search. You can learn more about it. Get your hands on the book, too, at thebalkegroup.com. We link to Julie's Twitter account from our official Twitter account at Real Talk RJ. And, of course, you can also know, did you know this in the comments uh, or rather in the description of the episodes on our podcast and on YouTube, you can always link to the websites of our guests as well. Julie, thank you for joining us on what I'm Anytime. sure is a beautiful morning in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's nice to talk to it you. It is. All right. Take care. All right. Good stuff. Um, yeah. An interesting news on, on, on the job front, I guess, in a way, uh, in conversation about jobs. Charles Adler coming up in just a moment, by the way. Uh, did you see this uh, over the weekend? Alberta's Minister of uh, Jobs, Economy and Innovation, uh, the Honorable Doug Schweitzer, making an announcement. Everybody's wondering what's going to happen with the Premier Jason Kenney's resignation, as, as, as eventual as it may be. Uh, Kenney's staying on through this United Conservative Party leadership race. But what is Cabinet going to do? What are the MLAs going to do? What stamp will the next leader put on this party? And ultimately, how will that party fare in the next election? Uh, big guest coming up tomorrow morning, by the way. We'll tell you about that uh, before we wrap today. But this from uh, Minister Schweitzer says, uh, in the 2019 general election, I was honored to be elected as the MLA for Calgary Elbow. Remember that one? He, he beat Greg Clark, the very popular Alberta Party MLA in Calgary Elbow. Uh, he served as Minister of Justice, Schweitzer did, and Solicitor General says he worked tirelessly to ensure Albertans are safe, secure, and protected wherever they live. He talks about his tenure as Minister of Jobs, Economy, and Innovation for the last two years, says he was afforded the opportunity to lead Alberta's economic recovery plan, describes Alberta's economy now as rapidly diversifying. Um, we're going to be talking about clean tech and hydrogen, by the way, coming up later this week. He says thousands of Albertans have returned to work. He says, put simply, this is Alberta's Minister of Jobs, Economy and Innovation, says, put simply, Alberta is back. And he says, I'll tell you what, though. He's out. Now, not immediately, not immediately, but he says he's made the decision not to run for leader of the UCP. A lot of people thought that Doug Schweitzer could be a good moderate choice. 
Uh, I don't know if he'd prefer the word because the word seems to be a little bit more supercharged these days, but but a but a progressive conservative choice. Uh, He says, you know, he says, I'm not as a matter of fact, even going to seek reelection as MLA for Calgary Elbow. After eight years, he says, I'm looking forward to spending more time with my family. He says, I couldn't have served our province so diligently without their immense sacrifice and support. Now, of course, there are varying opinions on this, but these are three responses that were on my timeline over the weekend. And I wanted to pick these to sort of give you a sense of where I see people are at in assessing the news from Minister Doug Schweitzer not seeking re-election next year. And and here's what a few people had to say on Twitter over the weekend. Uh, these were the ones that were, of course, on my timeline. These are the people that I follow. So maybe your timeline looks a little bit different based on who you follow. But you've heard Emma May on the show before, former senior advisor to uh, former Alberta Premier Jim Prentice. Emma's a lawyer herself. Uh, she knows Doug Schweitzer, also a lawyer, obviously. She says there are a lot of days when I had hoped Doug had used a louder voice No doubt there were days when he did advocate strongly for science-backed policy, and we didn't know. Emma says whatever his reason, he leaves with no major file meltdowns. He's smart, and he has great career prospects. How about this one from Ariella Kimmel? You remember her, a former senior staffer with the United Conservatives, now uh, involved uh, in, in a lawsuit targeting the premier's office and this government for uh, alleged uh, workplace issues. Uh, Ariella says this is a huge loss for Alberta. By the way, Ariella, very well respected among her former peers. She says Doug is the hardest working minister I've had the pleasure to work for. Uh, she says his commitment to Alberta showed in many ways, but for me, it was his incredible success in engaging the tech sector from day one and with growing the film and TV industry in Alberta. Considering where Ariella is at right now and the challenges that she has faced, that's major. I think for her to make that public statement and Jason Markusoft, who is one of my favorite columnists in Canada, does great work covering the Alberta legislature and of course, other stories across the country. Markusoft says the first and no doubt not the last Kenny cabinet minister to tap out who will be the UCP leadership races standard bearer for moderate conservatism. If anyone that from Jason Markusoft and, That's a fair question, and that's a very important question as well. A lot of people right now are sitting, taking a look at how this leadership race is shaping up. And, yeah, we're expecting announcements uh, from from those that will seek the leadership coming up. And a lot of people are saying Rajan Sani, the the minister, is going to declare her intention to seek the leadership. People are expecting Travis Taves, the finance minister, to to strongly consider seeking that leadership uh, if he hasn't already made that decision. And then you've got my former broadcast colleague, former leader of Alberta's opposition, Danielle Smith, who wants the job. Of course, you've got uh, Brian Jean really wants the job, former leader of the Wild Rose Party, former leader of Alberta's official opposition. So a lot of names in play, but you would be right to wonder if that landscape is Brian Jean, Danielle Smith, potentially Travis Taves, um, who represents those so-called moderate or, or so-called small P, small C progressive conservatives. You can let us know where you're at with that. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Every Tuesday, our friends at Leading Edge Physio give us an opportunity to shine the spotlight on a person or a group that is making a major impact in their field. We call it the Leading Edge. And on the Leading Edge this week, we want to shine the spotlight on a University of Alberta anthropologist who has just discovered the oldest human DNA ever found in Africa. Her name's Elizabeth Sawchuk. She found skeletal remains during a dig in a Tanzanian rock shelter. She's completing her master's degree at the U of A. 
So recent technology breakthroughs have allowed the remains to be genetically analyzed. It's been discovered the remains were female, about 20,000 years old. And a lot of people are celebrating this in particular because due to the climate in Africa, it's very rare to discover human DNA this old. Now, the bones were almost turned to dust and they were very fragmented. Uh, This is due to an Iron Age smelting furnace that had been built near the grave after the fact, by the way. So difficult to date the remains. Uh, But Sawchuck and her team were able to date ostrich egg beads in the grave. How cool is that? The analysis also included Sawchuck's fellow grad student, Jennifer Miller. Now, this discovery sheds new light on the age of ancient foragers. And we can now better understand other ancient individuals and groups in the region. We can understand patterns that existed before massive changes to farming and herding and trade routes and the rise of cities and slavery and colonialism that changed the genetic landscape over the last 5,000 years. Says Sawchuck, quote, it's becoming apparent that more research is needed to understand our species history between our initial origins and our recent past. It's a really big piece of the human story. And Elizabeth Sawcheck is helping us understand it, and that's why she is on The Leading Edge. The Leading Edge is presented by our friends at Leading Edge Physiotherapy. Life shouldn't hurt. Well, typically, you know, our good friend, our dear friend, legendary broadcaster, the titan of talk, Charles Adler, joins us every second Monday on the show. And you're going to go, well, hang on a second, Jespo. He was here just last week. So what are we doing again on this Tuesday, the first day back from the long weekend? Well, Alberta's premier resigns after just three years in the role. He will not take the party into the next election. It's one and done for Jason Kenney. Who knows if it's one and done for his United Conservative Party? We'll see. But we had to tap Charles on the shoulder. We had to get him back because, quite frankly, I was not able to wait the 10 days it would take to get his take And that's why we're thrilled that Charles Adler has agreed to join us live from Las Vegas, baby. A good morning to you. I'm the only one up in the desert right now. Everyone is sleeping. I'm the only one who, because, you know, for you, Ryan, I mean, you know, there's there's nothing I I wouldn't do. I think of you as my son. But before we do anything else, can we break some news from Vegas here? Yes, please do. Uh, Okay, this is breaking news on the UCP contest or the whatever, whatever we want to call it right now, the uh, the, the effort to succeed uh, someone who will be talking about it. and we'll be, we won't bore you with a whole bunch of political science uh, master stuff. Uh, it will be human science. But uh, the, the breaking news is that I have made a very difficult decision. Oh, no, uh, I will not run. Oh. I will not run uh, <laughs> for the UCP leadership. Um, if nominated, I will not run. And if elected, I will not serve. Oh. Family, family, Ryan. Family comes first. I don't believe that for one second. I know exactly what your play is. I know you're going federal. You're going federal, federal Chuck. Federal. Yeah, I've got a I've got a hidden agenda, and it is to invade the United States <laughs> and make Las Vegas the capital. Okay. Yeah. Hey, by the way, everybody's going to be one. Number one, apologies to whoever is staying next door to you because you have this beautiful voice. <laughs> you have the voice that paid the bills. For more than 40 years, Chuck, everybody yeah. knows that. But I feel, I think of the person yeah. that was probably partying in, in the, the Chandelier Lounge <laughs> at Cosmo last night until 3 in the morning, and now they're trying to sleep in. It's it's officially 8.30 Vegas time, and all they can hear is the titan of talk b- booming from next door. Well, even though we are no longer hostages of AM radio, <laughs> yeah. and we've got you know a license to be 
more real to do real talk. <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll, I'll put it as cleanly as as, as I can. Uh, nobody lives next door to me. Oh, okay. They survive. Okay, they endure. And uh, it was uh, it's just listen. I I love Las Vegas. I don't pretend not to. And I love having fun. And I don't want to be one of these uh, people in the business who pretends uh, that I don't get some extra privileges and perks uh, from having been in the business a massive amount of time. And that's why when when people ask me why I'm always sounding grateful, grateful, grateful. Well, I am. I'm, you know, I'm grateful to Canadians. If it weren't for Canadians, the people who listen to you and me, Ryan, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be able to party in Las Vegas. Yeah. Hey, how do you party in Las Vegas? Everybody, everybody wants to know. Like, are you like a low key guy? You have your hat pulled down low at the poker table, or are you the guy <laughs> yeah. making? Are you like the guy at, at the craps table that everybody wants to stand next to? What's your style? Well, at the at the risk of offending some of the people in Calgary, part of the so called UCP base that would like to crucify me and all of that, I'm putting a hundred down on the Oilers tonight. Woo! Well, I like that bet. That's how I party. Although I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to give you good odds, but I like the bet. Infamous, where are you at with <laughs> no, that? No, you like, no. you like the bet? I'm on board. He's on board. <laughs> well, we will all get on. I board. can't. I, I, you know, Evander Kane. Um, I've been rooting for Evander Kane for so many years because he was a, a Winnipeg Jet, and I don't want to get into all the problems that he had. Much of which, frankly, happened like right next door to where I am uh, right now. Not in this hotel, but in a hotel very, very uh, close to here. And I, I don't, I don't want to go over the, the litany of that, but I'm telling you um, to, to watch him score, not just a hat trick, but a natural hat trick, three in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, sorry, the neighbors are, I'm hearing some tapping. Uh, <laughs> boom, 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 uh, boom. From Evander Kane. And, and God bless uh, Connor McDavid, because I, I just believe if it weren't for uh, Connor McDavid's uh, juice, uh, that deal never would have happened. And uh, I don't think anybody needs to tell Connor McDavid, you know, who will be good for him yeah. and uh, who will be good for the Oilers. Anyway, I don't want to get into too much, uh, you know, talk that is, you know, getting away from from what you and I want to want to talk well, no, about. Now, by the way, I like am I making I mean, it, once again, it's this AM thing. I, I still for so many years, AM, you've got to break uh, every six minutes, every no. six seconds. Uh-uh. News, traffic, weather, blah, 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 blah. So uh, if I'm making if I'm taking advantage of that and taking too long to. To make the Mm-mm. point, just tell me in, in full view of the, Chuck, the public. What are you talking about? No, people people can check the weather on their phones. People can check the traffic on the. If you have Google Maps, if you have it, you can check the traffic. You don't need that from us. And people know the news headlines. People want to know what the news means. And that's why they subscribe to Real Talk. And that's why they tune in when you're here. We're not making this a full length feature interview because we're going to talk to you next week and because I need to let you get to okay. Vegas because these are the prime time hours before it gets to be 45 degrees out there. But, but, but I have to ask you the, the, the premier yeah. uh, jason kenny 51.4 percent just about a percentage point off of where real talkers by way of our question of the week pegged him out they thought 49.96 percent closer than any other poll that i've seen but it prompted the premier to resign sort of he says he's going to stay on until what we expect will be september this leadership race until he can hand off the baton were you surprised at 51.4 percent and where is your head at now a few days later well, I think we talked about uh, a little bit of this uh, last week, and I said he'd get a little more than uh, you know fifty percent. Uh, so you know he he's so, he's sort of resigning. I mean, do you think it's possible 
that uh, this thing will drag on and on and on and that he just he just won't resign because right now i mean who, who knows is it six months from now is it is it a year from i mean when are they picking the new leader they actually yeah, made at a least decision four months probably um you know and i just i think that probably and i don't have any insight into this except for what i think is obvious and my gut instinct and and, and what i've seen so far in the few days since but i think that probably the strategy is to rehabilitate jason kenny's image and uh to, of course under the under the guise that the electorate has a, a notoriously short memory and i think that he probably wants to go out uh you know not one that just received 51.4 percent and got booted to the curb but wanted to you know wants to go out you know with with things sort of riding high handed off in a positive way you know sort of receive that send-off that every career politician wants the the legacy i think is pretty important would you agree well i, I would accept that the the fifty one percent could be treated just as you know just another poll number. Mm. What if two months from now, and I I, I don't want to get into all of the names. I mean, our, our former colleague uh, Danielle Smith uh, and Gene, uh, you know, two of the names that people would know across the country, and there's some other names that will likely get involved as you were mentioning just before we started this conversation. But here's the deal: uh, What if two or three months from now uh, there's a poll? that says that uh, Jason Kenney is more popular uh, either with the UCP or with Alberta or with, you know, the man on the moon. I don't care. But what if there's another poll that shows JC, that Jason Kenney is running ahead of the people who want to replace him? What then? Yeah. I mean, well, he's he has gone on the record saying that he's not going to participate because it hadn't been ruled out at the beginning. Right. So he had to go out, come out and say, I'm not going to run in the leadership because people had said it's not entire. I mean, Don Braid wrote about it and 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 a lot of people had said, well, it's I mean, he could just sort of resign and then try to get the job back. Um, I'm not sure if that's a tough look especially if you run again and then you lose, but there's no real heir apparent, right? Like it's no, kind there, of, there, there are no real rules. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect the, the data that you're, you're harvesting here, sure. Ryan, but I mean, they, they changed the UCP and the rules committee, the, the people who run that show. Uh, we're not on AM radio right now, right? Okay, no, you can so, say whatever you want. Chuck. The, the, okay. okay let, let me just, you know, say this clearly as I can clear Canadian common sense. The people who run that shit show, don't really have rules. The rules change. They change more often than, than Johnny Depp's underwear. So, I mean, I don't care what rules they're talking about. If, if, if three months from now, the feeling is that Jason Kenney is stronger than the contenders, they may change the rules and allow Jason Kenney to, to stay on. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to create conspiracy theories here. I'm just, I'm just looking at how this party has operated for the last few years. It's been Jason Kenney's toy. Jason Kenney created the toy, and it's still his toy. He's got the ability to organize. Uh, there's the lack of a, you know, with respect to everybody who's thrown their name into the hat so far, there's there's hardly anyone, there's no one, quite frankly, that's shaken the earth or rattled the foundation with their announcement that they're seeking that leadership. So in the absence of a clear front runner or that, that so-called heir, uh, to the party, I think you'd be fair to question whether or not Kenny might run again. And, and I also think it'd be fair to question the future of the party, Charles. Uh, if this does go in the direction where a, a you know, a notorious or well-known or cards on the table social conservative, you know, if it's someone that's that's questioned the science around COVID-19 or the vaccines or what have you, if it's somebody that said that they think that Alberta's solicitor general should apologize to pastors who were jailed for refusing to stop congregating 
despite public health orders. Uh, that's, I think, unpalatable to a lot of so-called moderate conservatives. And if that is the case, and if somebody that fits that description wins the leadership of the party, I think you'd be fair to suggest that, you know, that 1.05 million votes that they received, a record setter, uh, back in April of 2019, you'd be tough to hit that number again because you'd have hundreds of thousands of people, especially in the urban centers, with no disrespect to, to my fellow, you know, not my fellow, but rural Albertans, my fellow Albertans living in rural areas. But I think that's how you lose the cities. And then you begs the question, and, and we'll ask this to our guest tomorrow morning, Rachel Notley, uh, what do you do uh, to capitalize on that if you're the official opposition? What do you do to try to to sell people on the idea you know, because there's a lot of people, Charles, you know, that voted for the NDP in 2015 that came back to the conservatives in 2019. That's obvious. How do you get them to do it again in reverse? That's Notley's challenge. Well, Notley has to, you know, position herself as much in the in the in the center as possible, uh, make herself as as mainstream as possible. But listen, uh, things in Alberta, just like the you know the rules change. What rules did we have? Rules, guys. You know, just like the rules change uh, quickly. Uh, moods in Alberta. Uh, change quickly as well. And it's entirely possible that if they do have a, you know, a, let's just call them a, a lake of fire conservative, right? As the new leader of the United uh, Conservative Party, with all due respect to all those lake of fire conservatives, if they make that kind of boner, if they really stink the joint out that way, then I still think there's a possibility that another party, whether it's called the Alberta Party or, or whatever, uh, could rise and may not win government, may win government, but certainly uh, will in the in the short term offer itself as some kind of parking place yeah. for people who just can't stomach the idea of voting NDP and certainly uh, develop a, a rash uh, at, at the notion of voting for for some Lake of Fire conservative. Yeah, you get I mean, you get four MLAs in the legislature. You've got official party status and and then it can be up and up from there. We had Barry Morishita on the show, leader of the Alberta Party on Friday. I really like Barry. Barry's a personal friend of mine. I will say uh, real talk. He left me wanting. I, I, I said, Barry, like, who is your party? People need people want to know what is the Alberta party? What's it all about? Like, you don't have, I don't you don't have to pin it down. It's not pin the tail on the dot. You don't have to pin it down on the political spectrum and say this is exactly where we are. I can't even do that for myself. Uh, I think it's a difficult <laughs> and quite frankly, a fruitless exercise. It's a pointless exercise because I, I think that the average person wants to have some flexibility with regards to how they view issues. I think that's real life. Uh, but I think I do think that Barry and and I think that the party needs to have a better answer for people like me who are going. I know that I am going to vote next year, uh, but I'll tell you right now, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. And, you know, we just talked to Julie Bauke about competitive job markets. You should view elections as the exact same thing, fighting for every single vote. And if you're going to do that, you have to be able to say to people, this is what we're all about. These are our priorities. You know, this is what we would do differently. This is how we believe we get on the right track. And this is why we're a good choice for you and your family. And I don't see it so far, quite frankly. It pains me to say it, but I don't see it right now from the Alberta party. And I don't see it right now necessarily from any of the parties. Well, no, I mean, uh, you know, I'm an, I'm an orphan, uh, you know, federally. I'm an orphan uh, provincially. Uh, that, that, that's how I live my life. You know, some people have another term for it, you know, uh, politically uh, in, independent. But the, the thing is that when it, when it comes to politics, as you know, some people say, Chuck, why don't you do more political science and less human science? No, I, we, I think we need more human science. Politics is about human beings because democracy 
is about human beings governing themselves. That's what this is all about. And so what we need to do is find a leader that we can trust, that we can talk about people who run for office as, as MLAs and all that. That's, all of that is important. But the average person takes the measure of what a political party is about by what the leader is about. Yeah. The leader really matters. And the leader has to be the human being that the people, you know, we, we talk about, you know, someone that you want to have a beer with. It, it's, it's far more than someone that you want to have a, a beer with. It's someone who you really strongly identify with, who can have what I will call the moral compass that you trust. And why is that important? Because it's important that you have somebody who some days will say things and do things that you don't agree with. But you know in your heart that it doesn't matter. It's just like a member of the family. Some days at the kitchen table, they, they say things and do things that you may not agree with, but they're still family. Yeah, They're still your family. You still identify with them. It's blood. And I think that that's the kind of person that, that, that people need. And I, I, I don't think it matters so much what the, what the party is called, but the leader, whoever that leader is, that is ultimately important. Look, you've got to be a human being. Jason Kenney, three years ago, Ryan, we all now know in Alberta, we know about that interview where I got sick and tired and bored of political science. And because of the issues that were involved, I went after human science. And I said to, to Jason Kenney, look, enough about this. This is not about this and this is not about that. This is about you. This is about your character. This is about who Jason Kenney is as a human being. I, I sat there gobsmacked. I could not believe that after agreeing that, that Mark Smith in his in his homophobia, uh, you know, uh, his, his his rant, uh, can a man really love another man? What is that? Mm. And then the, the you know the the abortion issue with his with his baby killing language and all that. After he said all of that, and Jason Kenney said that yeah, kind of yeah, it, it, he was uh, offended by that, but that was then, and and that was that was you know so many months ago. Um, I, I couldn't believe he was saying that. And then I really couldn't believe it when I said, well, by the way, do you, do you think this person is really qualified? Do you think this guy has what it takes to be your education minister? He says, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was failing the human test so badly, I decided to throw a Hail Mary. I said, well, God, well, okay, what about, you know, I want to see him pass something. What about your activity in San Francisco years ago when you were trying to make sure that people who were dying of AIDS could not get visits from their partners would you want to apologize for that and he once again went into political science well you know there were other people who also so that night jason kenny uh, failed the human test the human test is what has to be passed for someone in my opinion to become the kind of leader that can quote bring people together but as long as leaders only engage in political talking points and political science i'm sorry we're just going to keep Keep changing them like Johnny Depp keeps changing the undies. I haven't uh, watched the uh, Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, so I have no. Oh, I have no idea. Johnny will bring me up to speed after Chuck because I have no idea about the underwear reference, but I'll figure it out. Rose is watching us live. She says trusting the next leader. That's a great statement. I agree with Rose. I think that the, the, the number one word that you brought us today, Chuck, was trust. And I think that's a big one. So we'll find out who can earn the trust of Albertans when it comes to serving as the next leader of this party. I'm going to get into some of the other comments here, but we got to let you go because Jillian has an assignment for you, Charles.
Uh, she wants to make sure at some point today on her behalf, you go put 50 bucks on black. Go hit the roulette Done. table. 50 bucks on black, buddy. Jillian. Thank you. Thank you for the tip. There you go. That's Charles Adler. What a beauty. Live from Sin City on short notice. So I just said, I said, I can't, we can't go like a week and a half without getting his take on the biggest political news in Western Canada in a long time. I'm telling you right now, before I leave this earth, I will spend a night in Vegas with Charles Adler because I got to know. I got to know what it's like. I got to, I, I was able to spend a couple nights on the town in Toronto in the big smoke with Charles Adler. <laughs> And uh, you, let you, me like, tell you, you walk into a restaurant and was just like, is that Charles fucking Adler? Is that Charles Adler? And he's like, yeah, but he's, he's, he's got hello to everybody. He's, you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's you know, lifetime achievement award. And after whatever, midnight, you know. the witching hour. Yes. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Should I be paying closer attention to the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing? Uh, it's like everybody. I mean, I get it like celebrities in a courtroom and but there's been a lot of I, I don't. So basically, she, he's alleging that she defamed him in a piece where she didn't name him. But she yeah, said they're both, she's they're the victim both, of domestic abuse. Right? Yeah. And he's alleging abuse, too. And you know what? I, I've tried to stay away from it because like I, they're both actors. It's impossible to watch these people on the stand and not wonder, like, are they acting the whole time? Because they're both. Well, well, she's a pretty good actor and he's an incredible actor. So like when I'm watching, I'm like. I don't know. I don't know. I, how, yeah. how are you going to get So no one's on. No, one is, no one's like obviously facing criminal charges. It's, no, it's a she, defamation. He's suing her for fifty million or something. Or hundred. One of them suing for fifty a million. One of them suing for a hundred million. It's so like Johnny originally had a suit against a British tabloid that originally broke this story about uh, you know that Amber Heard said she was abused okay. and didn't name the person. Right. And so he sued uh, this British tabloid. He lost that suit. Then he went after her for fifty million, and uh, so now she's. Countersuing him for a hundred million, so they're both going at each other. They're both they both seem like they're both erratic. They're both abusive. They both there's we've heard audio from both of them uh, being verbally abusive to each other. So I I, I don't trust either of them, and I think it, huh. there's no way to gauge it. And I think they're already both rich. So what is the point of all of this in the first place? You know what I mean? It's like well, yeah, I mean unless it's a criminal charge, like this is just all over money, and it's all over trying to paint the other person as horrible. So hmm. it's it's just, but you can't help but watch. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't help but buy into it. So yeah, some interesting comments here on our live chat. Uh, Justin says he was with a. Uh, says friends of friends this weekend he says about five years younger than me so they're in their late 20s uh says when a rachel notley ad came on that said we were better off with rachel one of the gals said no we freaking weren't that's their opinion i noticed they've ramped up in the last few days too well you don't blame them right yeah Uh, Yeah. looking forward to talking to her tomorrow uh the former alberta premier leader of the official opposition right now leader of alberta's ndp who by the way when they lost the election in 2019 Notley was like pretty quick to say, we'll be back. I'll be back. She didn't. She's like, I'm not resigning. No, we'll be back. (laughs) She's going to go get that office back. She says, Um, Alicia says, this is all bad for Alberta. Says, even if you're not a conservative supporter, it all spells bad news to have such disarray. Yikes. Yeah. I don't think there's a good ending to this. Tony says, did everybody see the video clip of Kenny walking into the boardroom to a standing ovation? You're talking about the cabinet meeting. This was the this was the that was what prompted all the messages to the show. I don't remember who it was. I wish I could credit you. My apologies. But but someone said that was like the George Costanza move to like resign and then just to show up the next day like nothing had changed. (laughs) But yeah, that was the cabinet meeting that Tony's talking about. He walked in the cabinet's like all yay, you know, whatever. But then we asked Thomas Lukasik, Erica Brudis and Melissa Cowett about that. We had back to back real talk roundtables Thursday and Friday 
last week. Make sure you check him out. And then Thomas, who's been there, deputy premier, he's been in those meetings before, says, oh, don't believe that for a second. Says half the people in there are sharpening the knives. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Don't don't buy into the standing ovation. I was like, what are they clapping for? The the, the plus one percent? Yeah. Uh, Gilles says, you know, this is uh, Gilles had some, by the way, he's been really active on the chat this morning. I love it, um, including uh, our conversation with Julie Bauke about uh, trends when it comes to the workforce and workplace and, and stuff like that. But, but Gilles had an interesting take that I think resonated with a lot of people, says the, the only way that the Alberta Party will take big votes from the UCP, like let's say, you know, what they might need. Like, you know, they had about 172,000 votes last election, zero seats, which sucks for them. But, you know, let's say you're looking to take, I don't know, a third of the party. Let's say you look for 300,000 votes. That's no joke. I mean, it's not easy to do. But Jill says the only way they'll do that is if they label themselves as conservatives. And if they don't, they will completely disappear in the election. And Jill, I totally agree with you. Um, and I think that you do it as, you know, you, you, you can't use the phrase progressive conservative because that party still does exist. Uh, Kenny, uh, unless something changed uh, that I haven't seen, he technically still is leader of the progressive conservative party. I think it's, st- I could be wrong on that. I should fact check that. My wife was asking me this before. She's yeah. Like, I don't get it. So but like, like you he's... can't, like you and I can't, John, you and I can't get like a few of our friends snag all these smart people from the live chat snag all our twitter <laughs> followers and real talk fans and, and form a party and form a party and call it the progressive conservative party you can't do it no right now at least anyway but but i think that the alberta party could give off that vibe and say hey what we are is like um you know business friendly folks with a big conscience and mm. uh, something along those lines and try to convince people uh, like this was really interesting the conversation we had on the show last week people saying is it possible that that whole idea of like i'm fiscally conservative and socially liberal and a lot of people will say well that's impossible yeah that that's that that's oil and water those those two the entire premise of those two positions are at odds i'm not sure but if you could convince someone to again here's the word right rose trust you yeah. as a leader or as a party then then you could probably do some good things hey we're going to wrap our show focusing on the positives it's a tradition the first show of every week but first i want to remind you how proud we are to partner with local environmental across alberta and saskatchewan they're keeping it local when it comes to front load bins, roll-off bins, residential garbage and recycling collection, landfill services, water hauling, vacuum truck services, and then fencing and portable toilets. If you're putting together a music festival, if you're putting together something fun this summer for your community, you're going to want to take a look at localenvironmental.ca. Don't forget, they present Trash Talk every Friday. Your chance to get a rant off your chest. Just send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Our friends at Eden Landscaping are pedal to the metal right now, transforming people's front yards, backyards, bringing outdoor spaces to life. That includes people in the brand new subdivisions that get the, and I don't mean any offense, but you get that kind of cookie cutter, kind of boring landscaping included in your package. Yeah, we'll give you sod and one sort of sad little tree in the front yard. Eden Landscaping has this urban front yard butterfly program that draws pollinators in. It's an eco-friendly way to say goodbye to your lawn and say hello to an outdoor space brought to life. You can get your quote today. Take a look at what they do online at landscapeedmonton.ca. And our friends at Friesen Brothers know that you're going to be hitting the grill this weekend. Of course, May Long Weekend. Man, oh man, someone near to us. I don't know who it was, but I think they were doing something, they were doing something in their smoker this weekend. <laughs> and it was just like, I appreciated it. I would have appreciated it more if there was an invitation to come over and enjoy it, but it was like hours and hours of just sensory overload. Rude. The real butchers <laughs> at Friesen Brothers have you covered with real Alberta beef, pork, chicken, turkey, and plant-based options so you can heat up the grill at 16 different locations across the province. It's Friesen Brothers, Alberta-grown, 
and Alberta owned. Of course, you know you can go to kubienergy.ca to get a free quote for solar whenever you like. When it comes to the first show of every week for us, Kubi Energy presents Positive Reflections. This is how we get our week started off on the right foot. And there's a couple stories I wanted to share with you, including this one out of London, England, a homesick restaurateur missing his native land of Italy, missing his own family members, decided to ditch the employment. There's been kind of a jobs and employment theme of today's show, hasn't there been? He's been looking away from the culinary school graduates, and he's been looking to Italian nonnas. This is amazing. So he's been bringing dozens of mamas from different regions of Italy to his restaurant in London. He's calling it La Mia Mama, and it's a three-month chef-in-residency program for Italian moms and grandmas who want to travel to London to showcase their own region's culinary treats. He was missing his native Sicily, and uh, he said that basically as soon as his own mama, her name's Anna Fama, you see her there in the photo if you're watching on YouTube, as soon as she agreed in 2018 for his pop-up pilot, as soon as she agreed to come over, he said, we're going to go on this thing full steam ahead. And since then, he's expanded it to two full-time restaurants and a deli, all of them employing mamas in residence. (laughs) Super cool stuff that's providing opportunities in both directions and is allowing him to share his love for his native Italian cuisine. I love that story. And here, this is uh, some research that is, I hope, going to encourage parents and and maybe even prompt you sharing some of your own positive reflections. Now, while I'm going to talk about kids and how amazing they are, I'd be remiss if if it didn't take the opportunity to show off one of my favorite photos of our own little guy, Wyatt Rudy, who's getting set to become a big brother. This is him baking gingerbread cookies through the holidays. You know who taught him how to do that? Granny Loveson from Friesen Brothers. She taught him the art of baking gingerbread for loved ones. Wow. It's a family tradition. We're borrowing from them, and Wyatt Rudy's carrying it forward. And it fits with new polling that shows that parents are most proud of their children's ability to be compassionate, to display kindness, and to help and support their friends. A thousand parents were recently polled with kids aged three to seven to ask what most evoked their feelings of pride. And these parents, 84% of them said that they see the best qualities of their kids shine through when they're wished with their friends. This was part of the Thomas and Friends, you know that really yeah. popular series, mm-hmm. the Thomas and Friends International Friendship Day Awards. Well, the research, say the experts, shows that it's important for parents to to really help our kids develop and build great relationships at an early age. Friendships are teaching children so many valuable life skills, including the ability to encourage conversations, how to say sorry to other people, and how to respect other people's homes and houses when they're invited over Hmm. on play dates. We love this kind of stuff. It reminds us of the value of the important work that we do every day in our own circles. If you have a positive reflection you'd like to share, you can email it to us to talk at ryanjesperson.com and join us the first show of every week where Kubi Energy presents positive reflections. As mentioned, we'll talk about clean tech and hydrogen later on this week. Yeah, we're going to talk about monkeypox. Don't worry, we've got you covered. And tomorrow, an exclusive one-on-one with former Alberta Premier, she wants the job again, Rachel Notley, the leader of Alberta's NDP. Make it a great Tuesday, friends. Thanks for making Real Talk part of it, and we'll see you soon.
Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Technical producer, John Hicks. Managing director, Josh Dunford. Account coordinator, Lauren Sterlego. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.